Welcome to the to political football, excuse me, with Matt, Dave, and Cleve. How you guys doing? Uh, well, I uh, we already recorded this once, but I'll say it again, even though it pains me. But uh, Michigan plays Rutgers this week, and I'm not entirely certain Michigan is going to win. I wish I was a betting man. I would have, I'd have taken something on that, but then it's probably going to be a shellacking because everyone is a bounce back game. So I'm not going, I'm not going to take the bait. I'm not going to take the bait. No fucking way. Yeah, I'm really just, I'm really just trying to get two free sessions out of you here, Cleve. That's all I'm doing. I'm just setting you up. Yeah, I've I've lost too many of those things to you already. So <laughs> no way. Hey, Matt, so how you doing today, brother? I'm doing, I'm doing well. Uh, it's windy as fuck where I am. Yeah. And, oh yeah, here uh, too. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, not, I'm doing really well. I, uh, I was happy to watch the most of the coverage this week. Uh, not happy to watch the Bears on Monday night, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, shit. Well, just a disclaimer, a disclaimer from me. I didn't see much football, but the highlights because I had some school stuff to get done before the holidays. So I'm gonna, you know, I'll, I'll be punting a lot of my my uh, game knowledge this week to you guys. So you guys are gonna be carrying it. Um, so we were talking offline, and um, this is for. We have listeners that want to come on the show. Um, it is a three-man podcast for the for the most of it. Uh, we would love to have guests, but sometimes there's only room for <laughs> three in this wolf pit. And this is to address a Giants fan. I'm not going to put his name out there because I'm not a sh- total schmuck. But um, this is for someone who thought that their team didn't get enough airtime uh, with the praise that Matty Ice gave them last week. Um, so I, uh, I, I tried to give it some oxygen. And in the words of Johnny Sachs, they threw cold water all over it. So, so um, yeah, the Giants are the Giants. And unfortunately, I really can't defend their position as being a great team right now. So uh, what do you guys think? So it sounds to me like the main crux of the argument from the listener, and I appreciate all the listeners, um, except for the ones who voted for Trump. Um, <laughs> yeah, awesome. uh, uh, but I, uh, I appreciate all the listeners, but it sounds like the main crux of the argument is that because the Giants have a chance to win their division, they should get more discussion on this, on this yeah. show. Uh, but here's the thing. The show isn't about teams that can win their division. It's about all the teams. And then we spend more time on teams that are either interesting because they have something interesting about them or have a chance to like do things in the future. And the thing yeah. is, the Giants have no chance to do anything in the future. If they win their division, they'll get trounced in the wild card round by whoever they play, probably Arizona or Seattle. So they'll get destroyed there. They're stuck with Danny Nichols for the next however long. <laughs> Dave Gettleman is still the GM. They still spent a second overall pick on a running back who's out with a knee injury. They're going to suck this year. They're going to suck next year. They're going to suck the year after that. There's really no reason to spend that much time talking about the Giants, even if they're going to somehow actually win their division at 6-10 and 10 this year or whatever, which I will say is at least interesting. Yeah, I, I um take a phrase out of what I said to you guys offline. Uh, I don't think Gettleman can pick two paired socks out of a laundromat, laundry basket full of the same fucking size socks. So, uh, yeah, Matt, what do you got? I mean, I gave them credit for having been in more games than their record would indicate, but their record is what it is. They're three and seven. So let's go over it. They're Gettleman can't put on a mask correctly during the draft. Uh, Danny Dimes can't finish off an 80 yard run without being tackled. Um, they have a point differential of negative 41, which is worse than the Washington football team who has a worse record than they do. And none of their players are interesting. And so what is, 
what exactly are we looking to say about them? Like, if you're a Giants fan, you're like, well, our team is better. Well, if you take a test and there's 10 questions and you get seven wrong, you're a failure. So the Giants <laughs> are a failure. Yeah, it's, a, you know, try to I try to give it some air. But um, as you guys can see, to Dave and Matt's point, you know, we're, it's not about just one team. I mean, my my team gets a lot of shit thrown at them just because I'm a fan of a bad team. But I don't cry about, hey, the Jets have a this and that going on. So, you know, sorry, but not sorry. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, the Jets are interesting because they're in competition for the first overall pick, which is very <laughs> important. And also means that, that the Jets could be adding Trevor Lawrence, which would make them immediately better than the Giants anyways. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, of course, I'm a Lions fan. And a couple things. One, the Lions are way better than the Giants. Uh, and it's mm -hmm. not even close. Even with Saquon. We, we, you know, the Lions are just way better. Uh, the Lions will be better next year than the Giants. They'll be better the year after that than the Giants. So they'll probably be better the year after that. So, you know, this thing that we need to discuss the Giants more, really NFC, any NFC East team at all, like just turn on uh, Stephen A. Smith and Max Columbus at first take. They do nothing but talk about the <laughs> NFC East. Like there's there's places for that. And we'll get to the Giants here in a little bit. We'll talk about mm -hmm. them for the 15 seconds they deserve. And we'll move on to an interesting team. And to kind of, you know, not be the, be the dead horse here, when I said that we could, you know, possibly have guests, it's a, it, you know, we vote on these type of things because we are equally invested in this podcast. We won't ever disrespect anyone, but you have to understand in the spirit of competition, if you have thin skin, it's probably not the show for you. Right. We will never so. disrespect any any individual person, but I will disrespect the shit right, out your of your crappy team <laughs> without, without question. So, and and yeah. the listeners are looking to us like they, they listen to us because they're looking for our insight. And yeah, sure, we might not know more than other people, but they're looking for us to break down what we're seeing in front of them. And we're doing that. And the Giants aren't are getting exactly the coverage that they should get based off of their you know current record and the way that they have played. So I I'm sorry to this, you know, to this listener who is a Giants fan and feels disrespected, but they're getting the praise that they deserve, which I gave them last week, and that's kind of where it ends. Yeah, we kind of gave them way more than they needed. They just took six minutes off our show. So let's get fucking started, guys. <laughs> no, that's uh, right, Dave. What we got? Yeah, no, that's uh, that's that's perfectly fine. I'm glad that uh, that listener will never listen again. Anyways, um. <laughs> Uh, it was our first game here, and go back to last Thursday, the Colts uh -huh. 34 at the Titans 17. And, uh, man, I know you have thoughts on this game, this division. I hate this division so much. Um, <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's becoming a thing. Dave, you have your rant for today. I have my rant against this division. I, I hate this division. The Colts are now leading this division. We all know that they're not going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, but I have to give them credit. They went to Tennessee and brought it to them and they they stomped them and they're in first place now so that is what it is and you know but we've talked about them and some interesting stuff about Philip Rivers is like we feel like they are winning despite him but he's had some things go his way at least in the metrics realm like the advanced stats realm that has been interesting he is last or almost last in how many percentage of pressures percentage of I mean the times he's been blitzed and he's near the bottom in drop percentage from his receivers. So those things are working in his favor. And just looking at the stats compared to like last year or the year before, he's they're, they're, they're playing a little bit of a different game where they're throwing shorter passes and he's getting you know yards after the catch. So they are benefiting from a lot of those factors. But what's it going to look like if they get, you know, if he starts getting blitzed a lot? Like he's not as good once he's out of the pocket. 
I swear, when he's out of the pocket and on the run, he tries to throw into double and triple coverage on purpose. Um, so I think that they have a fine line of where they're going to go, but I just hate this division. The real Phillip Rivers shows up in the playoffs, so we all fucking know this. So yeah, we do. Yeah. But I mean, I'm just yeah. I'm just looking at where they are. Like they're six and three. Dave said they were fool's gold a few weeks ago, and I think they are riding a beneficial set of those particular stats that are on Phillip Rivers' side. But on a game by game basis in the playoffs, all it takes is one game to sway all of that. And I think that you're right, Cleve. We will see the real Phillip Rivers, and I think it will be to the detriment of the team as a whole for twenty five million dollars. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So the thing about the the Colts, so the Colts, the Dolphins, and the Ravens all have the exact same record right now, and it feels wrong for all of them. Yeah. Right. I, I could. I could see it, that. It's just yeah. like how are how are any of these teams six and three? Like it doesn't make sense for any of them. So you know we're in this like this weird spot. You know, three weeks from now, some of these teams will have fallen off. Some will have actually separated from the pack or whatever. But they're sort of condensing here. Yeah, Philip Rivers in this game, 29 of 39 for 308 yards and one touchdown. That is going to get it done for a team that can play good defense like that. Um, but the thing is, we, you, know, you said Philip Rivers shows up in the playoffs. Well, Philip Rivers is used to getting murdered every single game because the Chargers can never get a line for him. The Colts have the best offensive line in football, in my opinion. So there's a chance that they can actually sustain keeping him clean, in which case then he just has to – really just not be a really fancy Danny Dimes and stop turning the ball over. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that. So speaking personnel wise, uh, and again, we got to kind of jump into yesteryear a little bit here. So the current squad that he has now, you think we're better than any of the teams that he had when he was with the uh, Chargers? Uh, no, of course not. Cause he had played with like Antonio Gates and the Danny and Tomlinson. Um, yep. I don't think anybody else on his squad right now is going to the hall of fame besides Quentin Nelson, the, the guard. And that's the point. Mm -hmm. The offensive line is so much better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you have a quarterback who's a statue who can't move, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I joke that I could keep keep within two steps of Jake Luton in, Luton in the 40. I could beat Philip Rivers in a 40 <laughs> right now without question. So, you know, it's really important to have that, to have that good line, and they have it. So I think that the Colts, I think they know what they want to do, and I think that they're going to be able to do it most of the time, the issue is that when they can't do it, they're going to get destroyed, and that's going to happen at Ravens, Steelers, Chiefs, Buffalo. Oh, like yeah. at some point, oh, yeah. they're going to run into somebody, oh, yeah. and they're going to get absolutely trounced. Um, the Titans, on the other hand, uh, Derrick Henry had 19 carries in this game. The other running backs had 10, and Derrick Henry needs 25 carries a game. What was so just interesting? Interesting. What was the? Uh... 19 for what? For how, I want to say like 112, maybe. It was over 100. Uh, yeah. Like over 100. 100. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so, so you're, I guess you're using saying that when he gets 25 or more, he's, it's, it's more of a kind of a turning ground pound. No, I'm actually saying the opposite. So the thing is that a lot of people think of Derrick Henry as this like lumbering, get four yards in a cloud of dust type, but he's not. He's actually a home run hitter. Mm -hmm. Right, he's okay. he's the Tory Smith of a uh, of uh, running backs. I don't know. I need I need a good a better. He's like Marquise Brown of of running okay. backs, right? Because he'll go for three, three, and then ninety four. Yep. <laughs> and so yeah. you know you have to keep feeding him the ball because all he needs to do is break one tackle, and then he's throwing Josh Norman eighty yards downfield. So yeah, like 
every time you hand the ball to Derrick Henry, you actually have a shot at a big play, which is not true of most running games, yeah. which is why he needs more. It's more big play potential the more carries he gets. He's almost part of their like long passing game in a way, in, in, in that regard, because you are handing the ball. I mean, you know, Cleve, for, for real, like because as a weapon, you hand it off to him, he could break it any time, whereas that doesn't happen as often as it used to. And if you look at the last like five seasons, many of the longest runs seem to be Derrick Henry. So I, I, to Dave's point, I think that he's absolutely spot on in that regard. Like every, the more times you give it to him, the, the more you are upping the chances that you get one of those home run plays and that swings the tide for the, the Titans in, in games. So was this game even close? I mean, judging from the score, if, if today's point, if, if the, if the touches were there, w- would that have made a difference or no, no I mean, not, not in this one. Yeah. I mean, the second half was dominated by the Colts. It was 17, 13 Titans at halftime, but then they got outscored by three touchdowns in the second half. So it, and when, when that's happening, it's hard to give the ball to Derrick Henry, but yeah, it didn't matter. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. All right. We got uh, next. the next game. We have the Houston Texans seven at Cleves, Cleveland Browns 10. Uh, this game. So first of all, this game is like, I think is the most classic Cleveland Browns game that we're going to get this year. The true final score is actually 17 to seven, but Nick Chubb smartly ran out of yep. bounds at the one yard line uh, to ice the game rather than going to the end zone, which is amazing because he basically subtweeted his former college teammate, Todd Gurley. That's <laughs> <laughs> fucking fell on that reminded me. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast yet. And if I have, I don't apologize because it's going to happen. Um, there was in Todd Gurley's junior year when he got hurt in college. So he was the starting running back for Georgia. He gets his knee injury. He goes out of he goes out of a game. So then the backup, who was another five star recruit, Keith Marshall, comes in. He gets hurt, goes out of the game. So then they bring in a freshman five star recruit named Sony Michelle, who comes in, oh, yeah. rips off like three carries for eighty yards, gets hurt, goes out of the game. So then they bring in the second freshman. Nick Chubb, who comes in and runs for 200 yards in the last in the second half, yep, in one game at Georgia, they, they had that line of succession there. Holy yes. shit! So like that is um, just unbelievable. And this remind then this reminded me of one of my favorite tweets of all time by Ryan Nanny, who's at Celebrity Hot Tub. If you guys want a great follow, when this was happening and Nick Chubb was over 100, he goes, "Who's their fifth string running back? Barry Sanders." <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so Nick Chubb subtweeting uh, uh, Todd Gurley here, I thought was was interesting. Uh, also for Cleveland, nineteen carries for Chubb, nineteen carries for Hunt, twenty pass attempts for Baker. That's exactly what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the t- so they, they play the Texans, yes. right? All right. So I know we're going to get to this later, but when you see a receiver you jettisoned out of your fucking franchise. Show up big for another quarterback. So, I, yeah, I was going to save this for the Arizona game, but I'll, 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 yeah, I'll, I'll move this here. Yes. So, Bill O'Brien traded New Hopkins to Arizona for David Johnson, who only has one good leg. I think I think that the Texans should honestly get like rehire Bill O'Brien just to fire him again. <laughs> um, I mean, if if I'm the owner of the Texans and I watch how that Arizona game ended, which we'll get to, I would call Bill O'Brien yeah. and just start cussing him out. Even though yeah, it's fired. it's it's kind of ridiculous that you know whatever whatever went on there, that guy should have never walked out of that that locker room. Yeah, like, hey, yeah, that's just on. unbelievable. But yeah, so the balance: 19 carries for Chubb, but 19 carries for Hunt, 
20 pass attempts for Baker, I mean, that's exactly what the Browns want to do to win games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, the next game we have here is um, one that just was a long one for me. Washington 27 at the Detroit Lions 30. And uh, my first mm-hmm. my first thought when I was thinking about this game is that this is a great reason to fire Matt Patricia. The Lions were winning by 21 points with 11 minutes to go. <laughs> I mean, you know, this was not the best example of an idiot coach having their great players bail them out at the end of the game. That happened in the Arizona game. However, the Washington football team kicks a field goal with like 19 seconds left to tie the game. And then Matt Stafford leads the Lions down the field, aided by a uh, roughing the passer penalty. And then Matt Prater comes in and kicks a 59 yarder walk off field goal to win. And I've always mentioned that. Uh, Galladay and Stafford are the two great players on the Lions. We have to give um, Matt Prater his due. I saw somebody on Twitter said <laughs> yeah. he is for the Lions. He is 22 for 22 on kicks that can tie the game or win the game in the fourth quarter overtime. Wow. You know, like there's some games where you clutch your pearls. And this wasn't, this shouldn't have been a clutch of pearls game. Cause like I said, guys, I haven't, I didn't watch a lot of football this weekend, um, but I did watch the highlights and kind of caught what I could to, to be up to speed for the show. But I, I'm like, how did they, how did this get so close? But you know, what? It's, it's what that Patricia does. It's just absolutely unbelievable. They, um, uh, you know, the, the bend but don't break prevent just nonsense. So Alex Smith actually led the league in passing yards with 390. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, he um, great game. Yeah. Well, he was thirty-eight of fifty-five. Yeah, and he also, but oh, no, t- no touchdown. Oh, right. Wait, they they had him slinging. Well, they were oh, down twenty-one God. points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So I guess you gotta you gotta yeah. Get rated and out. then my last okay. my last note on this game is that DeAndre Swift was finally released for the Lions. Uh, sixteen mm-hmm. carries, six catches, touchdown. Like it's time to stop giving Adrian Peterson the ball. I agree. You know, just let DeAndre Swift That's, just carry the rack. See, all right. So this is the this is how I feel about the Adrian P. And I'm glad I'm glad one of you guys brought this up. At some point, and Matt knows this because we're boxing fans. Um, he's serviceable, yes. I mean, you know, is he in the top ten backs in the no. league or whatever right now? He's a, definitely a Hall of Famer. But it's like you're feeding this guy like he's still Adrian Peterson. But I don't know. You know, let someone else get a chance. Well, thing DeAndre Swift just jumps off the screen. Sorry, man. I just want to say DeAndre Swift just yeah. jumps off the screen when he gets the ball, and Adrian Peterson is basically running back Philip Rivers. Yeah, yeah. It, it well, well. I'm trying to be nice to Why? the guy, but I'm like, at, at what point do we like? Okay, do I still want to see this? Yeah. Okay. I mean, they, they, they only gave him the ball four times this game, which is, I mean, at, at this point in his career, is kind of where he should be at, right? Like. Are we again to your point, Cleve? Is like, are we really expecting this guy to, to carry the team at wh- where he is? Like, he's well past that. Um, and and oh, it's yeah. obvious, like, just watching Swift on red zone, it's like the guy's got talent. I mean, you should be giving him the ball, especially with it with as dynamic as he is. I mean, what was it like almost 160 yards of mm-hmm. scrimmage yards, I think, and yep. a touchdown? I mean, that's fantastic. And the other thing that's interesting about this game, Alex Smith, almost 400 yards, no touchdowns. Um, and the Lions gave up that big lead, but didn't turn the ball over. So it, it, it was such a weird game, and I was like, "What am I watching?" Like, and I thought to myself, "It's almost as if Matt Patricia is like, how can I get fired?" 
oh, let me go ahead and do this. And it, it seriously was like that. But the other thing I took away from this game is I believe Aqib Talib was on the common, was uh, the color guy for this game, and he was great. So, uh, and, and he was trying so hard not to swear, too. He, he was. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, that's because Akeem Talib is might like he might actually be crazy. That, that's that's wonderful that he's, a, he's in the booth. Yeah, um, and they th- and you could tell they threw him with like one of the whitest guys on the Fox Network because that guy did not know how to handle him. And he's calling him like whatever. He's like, "Yo, Davo," and I'm like, "I mean, I don't think they're at that place yet." And Akeem Talib took over, but he also gave you good insight. But I, you could tell he just wanted to be like, "Yo, what the fuck was that?" And that was awesome. <laughs> So not quite as polished as Romo, but that's okay. Uh, no. So, so I mentioned we're talking about the Browns, about the crazy Georgia game from a few years ago with the deep backfield. So two years after that, they go to the they uh, go to the Rose Bowl against Oklahoma, the semi uh, semifinal of the playoff, and they have junior Nick Chubb, junior Sony Michelle, and freshman DeAndre Swift in this backfield. Oh my. God, the recruiting was fucking yes. and zero, oh my zero God. national titles, by the way. Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, the amazing <laughs> thing is that they went, Georgia went to the throws bowl Touché. with Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, DeAndre Swift, Miko Hardman at wide receiver, Roquan Smith on defense, and they lost. Sorry to throw wow. that in there, Dave. I got lost in, in uh, South Carolina Twitter recently because a whole bunch of my families from down there, they love them, but the Will Muschamp thing. And I think it was Bomani Jones was like, you guys have won, what, one division title in your 30 years in the SEC? Like, that's just who you are. Like, it's okay. And I just was dying because I'm like, it's so true, though. Like, during all those years, Mark Rick underperformed with all of this talent. And they just didn't get it. I mean, and the SEC is tough, but I just thought that was funny. Where it's like they had this lineage of running backs, not one national title to show for. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the point for Swift is that he was getting touches as a freshman on a team with Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. Yeah. Like clearly this dude yeah. is talented. Yeah. Um, Reminds me of those early two thousands Miami teams with all the running back lineage there. Yeah. And, uh, and oh, yeah. Swift mm-hmm. as well. He's from North Philly. It's not like he's a Southern kid. Like he's from Philly, looked at that depth chart and was like, I'm still going to get touches. So if the Lions could please give this guy the ball <laughs> more, that would be great. Thank you. Yep. Um, all right. Wow. Okay, the next game, we had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 46 at the Carolina Panthers 23. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> quick note on this game, uh, the Panthers without Christian McCaffrey are, you know, yeah, I think yeah, I think we, I think we, I think we, we all had agreed. I think we talked about that last week, um, you know, because I think now it's his shoulder yeah. that's fucked yep. up. It's uh, Ronald Jones, they have a 98-yard rushing touchdown in this game, which is something that should never happen. I agree. Um, I, I can't believe somebody didn't run him down. He is he is a slow man. <laughs> I got a I, I got something for you because I saw I saw highlights here, and, and you guys could probably give me some more insight. Was was Antonio Brown that open? Yes. That Tom missed him, yep. like thinking, "Oh my God, this guy's so open, I could just float it," or you just think he just got happy feet and just said, "Fuck it." The ball, like, what happened on that play? Uh, Tom Brady is 900 years old, and sometimes he just throws. <laughs> um, you know, he, you can't throw a guy. You can't. You can't miss a guy. Oh, I assure old. you, you can. Yeah, you can. You, you do not watch Michigan <laughs> football, sir. I assure you, it is possible to oh. miss a receiver that wide open. Um, uh, but yeah, but still, I did note the wide receivers here. So, Antonio Brown seven for 69. Got to win six for 92. I've been 677 in a touchdown. 
again, the Bucks, if they're able to operate like that, they're going to be really difficult for any team that isn't clearly better than them to actually compete with. Yeah. Wow. Did they have an um, Brown as a slot guy or he's a uh, slot for yeah, the most part? Slot, yeah. I mean, okay. this game was one of those where last week everybody was getting all over, you know, on, on Tampa because what did they rush like four times? or six times or something like that. Mm-hmm. So obviously this was like, I, I saw this game and thought McCaffrey's not playing. The Panthers have nothing without him. This is an, uh, like a overcorrection game. So they're, you know, they ran the ball 37 times. Uh, Tom was extremely efficient and they beat up a team that they should have beat up. That's what I saw out of it. I mean, you know, that's what good teams do is they come off of those poor performances and play better, especially against teams, yeah, especially they against teams up. that they should beat. So, and, but all of the weapons on this team, if they can spread it around like that and keep everybody happy, they're going to be in good shape. Um, if things, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll be curious how that works out because, you know, they they were maximizing efficiency wise in terms of the touches that these guys got where, you know, Mike Evans and Godwin had six catch six catches and, you know, they're over almost 13 yards each a, you know, a catch. So those th- those are helpful stats to keep people happy. Yeah, um, one nice note in this game is that I personally want the Panthers' offensive coordinator to be the coach at Michigan next year, Joe Brady. He was the offensive coordinator at LSU last year with Joe Burrow. And the Panthers are able to manufacture offense pretty well with Teddy Bridgewater and no Christian McCaffrey. This guy has completely... Hello friends, Matty Ice here. Due to the opening of the show, it came to our attention that the New York Giants were in contact with our sponsors over our content. They, like many of our listeners, feel the 3-7 and seven Giants should be given the praise deserved by their play. As a result, Dave was apprehended by the football police and put through Giants conversion therapy. Dave has now been returned home safely and given the green light to record once more. Thank you for your patience and enjoy part two of Political Football Week 10. Welcome to Political Football with Dave and Maddie Ice and Cleve. Uh, this is day two. Uh, we were uh, eventually cut off, but we're back. So let's roll to all right, so the next game we have here, we have the most storied franchise in the history of the NFL, the New York Giants, 27, beating the overrated Philadelphia Eagles uh, at 17, 27-17. Uh, so, first of all, everything you guys have been saying about Carson Wentz is now, this season, I think, is actually now becoming more accurate, at least in this game. That's probably because they played the fierce defense of the New York Giants. <laughs> They yeah. did. I mean, look, that, uh, that 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 Giants defense made them look like a Pop Warner team. I mean, they got a lot of talent. I think they're going to at least go thirteen and three next year. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't see how they possibly can. I mean, they have the franchise quarterback. Listen to uh, uh, listen to the stat line for the person I uh, used to call Danny Nichols, but now I know better for Daniel Jones. 21 to 28 for 244 yards, nine carries, 64 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, he might be the best dual threat quarterback in the entire league. Oh yep. yes. yes. Also, no sure. no fumbles yesterday for Danny. So that's that that that's fantastic. He's clearly turned the corner. And when he's handing off to Wayne Gallman for 2.9 yards a carry, there's not much you can do to stop that. 
Absolutely. Yeah, and originally I did want to note about this game that the actual winner of this game was the Dallas Cowboys, but as we now know, nothing good can ever happen to the Dallas Cowboys. Only good things for the New York Giants. So this is just a good win all the way around for New York. Yeah, and I also took it. Uh, so Alfred Morris of 2012 uh, Washington football team fame somehow got eight carries in this game. Well, nobody identifies talent off the street like Dave Gettleman. I mean, you know, when it comes to just finding old dudes that can play, he's he's definitely number one. I mean, Golden Tate's got to go to the Pro Bowl this year, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so good win for the Giants, bad loss for the Eagles. Uh, that, that division is up for grabs, and I think – in all seriousness, realistically, I think the Giants do have a chance of winning the division, even if they go 6-10. and 10. And, hey, it gets you in, so there's a banner to go with it. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty clear at this point that the Giants have been unlucky, um, and there's been some sort of fraud in their seven losses, and really they've won this election, or I mean this season, and uh, they're going to win out You know, the rest of the games. They're probably going to win the Super Bowl this year and next, so everything should be fine. Agreed. Let's move on. All right. So the next game we have, we have the Jaguars 20 and the Packers 24. And I will not say anything nice about the Packers ever, even for a bit. But, uh, you know, they did hang on to win this game. And the Jaguars played a little bit better than I thought. But I think the Packers might play down to their competition. Yeah, it was you know I as as I mentioned, guys, I didn't see much of um of of the games of all the action. I just saw highlights. Was there was there anything? I mean, twenty twenty four. So was it a game? Uh, so the Jaguars got a punt return touchdown, which is amazing. Uh, if the listeners, if you have not seen this punt return touchdown, you definitely want to Google Keelan Cole punt return. Uh, the way that he jukes out the punter is, I mean, it should be criminal. What he did to this, <laughs> to this poor punter. Um, this punter, by the way, is a great punter. J.K. Scott went to Alabama. And during a sideline interview in college, he solved the Rubik's Cube in under 15 seconds on national television. You're, you're kidding. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So smart guy, but eh, not the most athletic at tackling uh, punt returners. So, you know, the Jaguars yeah. had the special teams uh, touchdown. The Packers couldn't really run the ball that well, which is kind of shocking because the Jaguars are terrible against the run, but I don't think the Packers are ever in that much danger of losing this game, but they didn't just handle their business like the Bucks did against the Panthers. Yeah, mm. I agree. <laughs> and uh, to go back to the punt return, as exciting as it was, uh, when I went back and looked at it, I laughed so hard when I saw five Packers uh, defending the same lane uh, on that punt return. It makes it a heck of a lot easier uh, when you have you know that kind of coverage, but there's still... Uh, that was it was a great it's it's exciting the, the the punt return is exciting you don't see a lot of them anymore but i did laugh uh when i saw that most five guys were all within like a yard of each other i mean we're all, we're all old enough to remember the days of the devin hesters of the world mm-hmm. and the the dante halls like just like a lot of exciting you know i always think that the punt return is a very special play mm-hmm. and um you know obviously for safety reasons we don't see as much as we used to yeah all right, well, speaking of Devin Hester, the league has a new Devin Hester, and he was in this upcoming game. We have the Bills 30 at the Cardinals 32. And I think – and I think uh, – I'm sorry, Devin Hester. I think Dante Hall and Kyler Murray might be the same person. Yeah. <laughs> um, the way they move, the way that they play. I mean, obviously this game uh, begins with the ending with the crazy Hail Mary or Hail Murray uh, 
pass at the last second, just heave it to DeAndre Hopkins, who catches his touchdown over three bills, including Trey White. And my first thought when Hopkins caught this ball was, I cannot believe somebody traded him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that that's the first thought. My second thought was, do the Bills practice knocking a ball down, especially in a scenario like that? Because no one went for the knockdown. They all went for the catch. Yeah. I mean, the Bills obviously didn't play it that well. I, But they had three people around one. I mean, I don't even think they thought of it as a Hail Mary. There's only one Cardinal down there. I think they're just all playing straight defense. And so Hopkins just mossed all of them. Yeah. I mean, it was a great play. Great play, great scenario, great way to, um, you know, come back and, and, and secure the win. But to your point, Dave, you know, it goes back to show you that whatever happened in, 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 in Houston shouldn't have happened where a guy like that gets shown the door. You know, yeah. he's produced all the time he was there and whatever. Like I said, it couldn't have been worked out. It could have been worked out. Who knows? It could have been. The other thing, too, about that last play, and you're right, Dave, it was not thrown like a Hail Mary. It was thrown like regular you know like a regular throw like as if he was going for a, a longer pass in the end zone and those bills players were right there it, i mean hopkins just by this it was pure will that he grabbed that ball from them and ended up with it i mean when you got three guys there i, I didn't find it particularly awful defending of it because you're it wasn't thrown as if a hail mary where you can knock it down they were right there i mean all of their fingers were all in basically the same place and one other fun part to note there is a picture going around of, I think, four different brands shown off within the, the hands of that catch. It was like Jordan brand, Nike, Adidas, and Puma or something like that, like all in the same photo. So <laughs> four, four huge brands got major marketing pushes just because of that catch. Wow, that's great. Yeah, that's crazy. So one of the other thing I do, well, there's two things I want to mention about this game. The first is the play that should have been the game winner, which is that catch by Stefan Diggs, which was a phenomenal catch that nobody's going to remember because of how because of how the game ended. But after he caught the caught the what should have been the game winning touchdown, he jumped up and screamed, "That's why you pay me twice." Yep. And so now, um, assuming that hotels do ever go back in business, uh, whenever I'm at work and I do something really good to help a guest, I'm just going to jump up and scream, "That's why you pay me." Um, <laughs> and we'll see, we'll see, we'll see how that we'll see how that goes over at the uh, at the high end hotels. Um, uh, Cleve, when you're when you're uh, helping a client and they set a new personal record on the weights or whatever, just scream, "That's why you pay me." Absolutely, oh. bro. We're gonna claim that. <laughs> and and speaking of Diggs, I mean, they, he is he is earning uh, what you know what what they thought he was worth when they traded for him, and they are also targeting him the way that they should. I mean, he has a hundred targets uh, in their ten games, so they're they're targeting an average ten times a game, and you know that that that's what they should be doing. I mean, he's he's one of their best. He's probably their best receiver, I would assume, and he's he's you know make earning his money. Well, he's at 900 yards now. He only has four touchdowns, but that's the kind of guy, if you want to succeed, make sure he gets the ball, and they're targeting him enough to uh, to make sure that he is a big part of their offense. Yep. Uh, uh, so I do want to mention, too, that John Brown uh, hurt his knee in this game, and he is going to be out for the rest of the year, I imagine, given what, given what the injury looked like, which means we're going to see a lot more playing time for Gabriel Davis. And Gabriel Davis, you guys might remember a couple years ago when Central Florida was undefeated and – uh, kept making noise like they should be in the playoff, and they said that they were the real champions to challenge Alabama. Gabe Davis was the number one wide receiver. 
so okay. he's like he he can play. He's gonna get some more some more runs. So that's good. And finally, for this game, this was a game uh, just like the Lions were. Bad coaching got bailed out by great players at the end. The Cardinals' first three scoring drives were all field goals. And that's why they were down later in the game anyways. Cliff Kingsbury loves nothing more than to kick a field goal. And he's absolutely gotta he's absolutely gotta get out of this this mindset. Like he has Kyler Murray Kyler Murray and New Hopkins. You gotta go for it far more frequently than he is, or this tendency will cost them in the playoffs. Did the uh, down and distance dictate um that, like were they just getting stymied on on um third and, and shorts or like what was the like what was the crux? I'd have to go back and look at the, the game itself, but to Dave's point, I mean I would think fourth and five or less, I mean with Kyler Murray, yeah, depending on where you are on the field, obviously if you're pinned within where you are, but if you're in field goal range or a questionable field goal range and you have a shortest a short distance to get on fourth down, I mean you got to let Murray do his thing because you got to think that he can pick it up for you at least, you know, 50% of the time. And if that leads to touchdowns, then uh, to Dave's point again, I mean, that's going to win you more football games than, than settling for field goals is as often as he does. I don't, don't remember if they got stymied on like third and short, but again, even if they did, you got Kyler Murray, go for it again. You try it again. You're asking him to get a yard, two yards. You'd like to think that that could happen. Yeah, yeah I mean, you guys absolutely. I I, I completely agree. And the Cardinals aren't good enough to beat teams that are better than them with Cliff Kingsbury making that making that mistake. Uh, I mean, they they rush for like six yards a carry in this right. game. So you've got to think that like, can we get it on fourth and two? Well, I'd like to hope so. Right. Absolutely. Uh, the next game, the next game that we have here, we have. Cleves Justin Herbert led Chargers twenty one. Dave's Tua Tagovailoa Dolphins uh, twenty nine. <laughs> All right, give it to me, man. What what uh what coaching decisions were bad in this game? I have to. T- I, I am. I hate Anthony Lynn so much. Not really hate because he seems like he seems like a wonderful guy, but the way he coaches football is personally offensive, and. It's like the Fox News of coaching. It makes no sense. It has no place in the world. And all he's doing is causing harm to to everybody. So uh, I just want to go over some of the stats from this game for individual players. Justin Herbert threw the ball 32 times. Keenan Allen had three catches on seven targets. And they lost the game. And these things are related. Like you can't win a game when you won't get the ball to your best players. And I don't understand what's going on here. I mean, they were down by two touchdowns in this game, and somehow Kalen Bolage, who got cut by the Jets, got 18 carries for 68 yards for 3.8 yards in attempt. Anthony Lynn's insistence on trying to establish the run is the most ignorant thing about 2020, not connected directly to Donald Trump. Like, this is absolutely astounding. This team is somehow what two and eight now, two, two and seven. And seven? Mm-hmm. There's two absolutely seven. no yeah. reason for it. Like this team is so talented, so good. Somehow the Dolphins are six and three, and the Chargers are two and seven. It doesn't make any sense. It's completely Anthony Lynn's fault. And I, 
like Adam Gase is going to get fired because he deserves it and he's terrible. And I'll be happy for the Jets fans and for Cleveland or whatever because they have another shot at getting a good coach. Truthfully, you could just bring in the most average coach to the Chargers situation and they're going to the playoffs with ease. I mean, Anthony Lynn is so, so terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It's uh, so I think it was either the first offensive drive for the Dolphins or the second, and Tua threw a goal line fade, and I just had to laugh because <laughs> after last week I thought this is perfect during a goal line fade against the guy that I just ripped for get, throwing the damn goal line fade, and I was like, and it was out of bounds too. It was so perfect. Guy showed um, him how to do it. <laughs> they did show him how to do it. But looking at this game, uh, this is just my personal. You know, not looking at any stats or any like advanced metrics, but when I'm watching the Dolphins. They are getting good offensive line play when up until Tua started, they weren't getting good offensive line play. I, I'm just looking at them and saying that they are overplayed. That their offensive line is outplaying what I think their actual talent is. And I don't know how many injuries and all that kind of thing. But, you know, Tua remained clean. And I know he was only 15 to 25, didn't even get over 200. But it, win, it won the game. He scored two touchdowns. He didn't turn the ball over and he didn't get sacked. And if they're going to keep doing that, they're going to win more often than not. And we've talked about keeping Phillip Rivers clean. Any quarterback, you keep him clean, you keep him not pressured. And you'd like to think that that's going to win you football games more often than not. That's just what I took away from it. Um, I don't know if the Dolphins are actually six and three good, but I just don't think their offensive line can hold up over the course of the rest of the season when we know they have a gauntlet coming up at the end of the season. I think their last four or five games are against all but one being a playoff team currently. Uh, that's just my, again, looking at them subjectively, watching them on red zone, not looking at advanced metrics. That's just what I'm looking at. Uh, but I don't know what you guys think. Uh, Cleve, can you name any of, uh, just one of the three leading rushers on Miami in this game? One of three? No, I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to pretend that I would. I would even know. There's only one name that I know, and two is not one. No, of them. he's not. No, Tua actually had negative rushing yards. They are Salvan so. Ahmed, Patrick Laird, and Malcolm Perry. One of those guys doesn't even have a running back name. <laughs> Would that be Salvan Ahmed? Yeah. <laughs> You're right, though. It's like, oh, yeah. Um, there was a comedian back in the day. I can't remember what his name is. Uh, he used to do, like, ventriloquist stuff, and he had Ahmed the Terrorist was one of his uh, trend, <laughs> one of his guys. And every time, I think it was uh, Greg Gumbel would be like, Ahmed with the carry. I was like, I can't not think of that. <laughs> Amazing. So. All right. Hey, Dave. Oh, man. Oh, he's gone. Shit. (laughs) What the fuck, dude? This is great. Dave's having... I'm telling you, I think Dave's screwed. I think the Giants and now the Chargers. Yeah, (laughs) someone's making calls. Oh, Jared's making making a call there, huh? Who is the owner of the Chargers anyway? Do you know? No, I have no clue. Let me uh, see if I can patch them back in. Mm-hmm. Dean Spanos, that's right. I Are you am back, Dave. Okay, right. there you go. 
Dean, Dean Spanos got in your mind, man. <laughs> okay, yeah. I I have no idea what's happening. I will figure this out. Um, so that you guys did wrap up the Chargers and the Dolphins, I presume. Okay, the next game's a really quick one. We got the Broncos 12 at the Raiders 37. My only note for this game is the lead running backs for Las Vegas carried the ball 37 times for 193 yards and four touchdowns, and John Gruden is still hard. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah. I mean, that has to be the formula for them to win, right? Derek Carr only throws the ball 25 times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't want him. Th- and when he does throw, they want him throwing it downfield, you know, as much as much as he can. The Raiders, yeah, they, they're sort of like Cleveland where they know what they want to do to win, but they can be easily moved off of it. So so are you guys saying that like, like Derek Carr is a gay manager or should be a gay manager or he is a top 10 elite quarterback in the league? Well, he's definitely not top 10. I don't. He's definitely not for me either. I don't know if he's a game manager per se, but like to my to what I was tra- the point I was trying to make is if you're asking him to win the game for you by throwing 40 to 50 times, that's not the game plan that you want because he's not really a guy that's built to do that for you. D- Derek Carr is in reality what all these coaches think Nick Foles is in their heads, mm. right? Like he he's he's actually like good Nick Foles, whereas Nick Foles is. Basically, Mitch Trubisky, but can't run. Yeah. And on the other side of the ball, Drew Locke had himself a day, <laughs> uh, throwing 47 times, and four of those throws were picks. QBR of 27.9. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> that team is hindered. And I know he's hurt, and I think he, he, you know, and all that. But I mean, we talked last week. I think that team is exciting if they get consistent quarterback play, but you are not going to win a football game against almost anybody when your quarterback is throwing four picks. It's just not going to happen. They could have actually held an open tryout in the parking lot on, at halftime and, and probably got from a couple of thousand fans. They probably had it that game and, and got better play than that. That's ridiculous. But we're talking about a Hall of Fame quarterback who can't evaluate quarterbacks. Yeah, that's, Think that's, about that's that. like the ultimate oxymoron. Fuck. Yeah. But it's almost not because, like, I remember listening to somebody talk about Barry Bonds, why he was a terrible hitting coach, because he would be working with uh, a guy and it would be like three and two and he'd swing at a curveball. And the person would be like, hey, what am I supposed to do there? And Barry just says, don't swing at it. And he's like, that's not helpful. Like, that's not coaching. And so maybe there it is that maybe Elway obviously clearly knows how to play the position. But when you're talking about evaluating it in today's game. Maybe he just has a block and is not somebody who has the talent to evaluate it. I mean, I think it's clear. I mean, look at look at all of the quarterbacks that they have had the last I mean, since they won the Super Bowl, since Manning left and retired. Anybody really strike you as somebody that is gonna be your franchise guy at this point? Wow, so Trevor Simeon? Like, fucking are you kidding me? Brock Osweiler. <laughs> um, you know, Trevor yeah, Trevor Simeon, Brock Osweiler. Who is the guy that started for Drew Locke this year? Uh, Jeff Driscoll. Yeah, it's yeah, right. it's a it's a cavalcade of like whatever. The steaming pile of disappointment is what it is. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Dave, okay. The that. next game uh, that we have here is one that uh, I thought was very interesting. We have the Seahawks sixteen at the Rams twenty three. Uh, the first thing to note here is the Seahawks only scored sixteen points in this game. Russ Wilson has ten turnovers in his last three games. 
what do you think is going on over there? You think like he's just like feeding into the MVP hype and just kind of like doing too much or just what? What do you guys think? Oh, so I was going to say that I'm not sure exactly what's what's wrong with with him here. Now, these last three games, they haven't had Chris Carson. And so I don't know Mm -hmm. if it's like, oh, they don't have a running game that they really trust. So is Russ trying to force things or something like that? Is he just going through through a bad stretch? Uh, I don't know. Is he fighting with Sierra or something? Like, I don't know. But, but it's not like him, right? You know, Drew Locke throws four picks, and we're like, well, that's Drew Locke. Russ throws three, and we're like, something's definitely weird and different. So, yeah, I mean, his, his yeah. 22 of 37, 248 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. Like, that's not that's not Russ, uh, Russ numbers. The, something else I think is not helping him is that Pete Carroll seems to scheme away from what he perceives to be bad wide receiver cornerback matchups. If you remember yep. the last time they played Arizona, DK Metcalf got like two targets because Patrick Peterson was on him. And in this game, he got two targets because Jalen Ramsey is on him. But Jalen Ramsey is like five foot ten. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a that's a you, like you look for that, like you look for that at, you know uh, matchup because you got like a. You know, a great receiver and a great corner, but again, to your point, the height is going to make right. And if Pete Carroll tells Russ Wilson, "Don't throw it at Jalen Ramsey," well, then Russ won't. But then you're effectively taking away, you know, his best receiver on every single play before it even starts. And is that a reason for something struggling? I mean, I'm I'm just looking for for uh, uh, for for possible reasons. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's there's a couple factors at play at least when I'm looking at this. I mean, one, if you're actively not throwing because Jalen Ramsey's covering Metcalf, you're not allowing DK Metcalf to actually be a better receiver than his opponent. Like play up, play above the competition that he's that he's facing. And also, Russell Wilson throws like the most beautiful deep ball in the league. And if you have that height advantage, I mean, why are you not at least making some attempts at doing that? It, I mean, four targets for that guy when he's there is a height difference. And again, I know that he's facing one of the best in the league but there is an opportunity there to, to to work it and see how Metcalf does and if you're not going to do it well then where's everything else going to go and other than Tyler Lockett who had nine targets nobody had more than four yeah and when you're also handing the ball off to checks notes Alex Collins um, and a guy named DJ Dallas who definitely sounds like a stripper uh, <laughs> you Oh, yeah, their their offense is limited. But on the other side, uh, Dave, the Rams seem like a team that know exactly what they want to do as well. And when they do it, they win. When they don't, they don't. Um, and Goff was extremely, again, efficient here, it seemed. I mean, 27 to 37. He didn't throw any touchdowns with 300 yards. And he does seem like he's taken a little bit of a step forward this year, or they've at least schemed better for his strengths. And so the Rams are actually one of these like now new ultimate home teams where they play great at home and not as well on the road. Uh, the Steelers were like that for a long time. Uh, Drew Brees and the Saints have been like that for a long time. And the Rams are starting to be like that. They just they they play way better at home than they do than they do on the road, which is a weird thing to see develop this year when there's no fans in the stadium. But it's also their first year having yep. a stadium of their own uh, in a couple of years. So, I I mean, there, there's got to be something to it. I would not want to have to go there and play in the play in the playoffs. But here's the thing: the Cardinals, the Rams, and the Seahawks are now all six and three. So that division is wide open at this point. But they're all six and three, just like the Dolphins. 
Yep. Yeah, and the Raiders. Like, you know, some of these teams, you know, as the week's gone, we're going to be like, remember they were 6-3 and three and now they're, you know, 7-9 and nine or whatever. Like, some of these teams are just going to collapse uh, down the stretch here just because that's how the math is going to work out. But it's just interesting that the NFC East has, like, the Eagles are leading at 3-5-1. and one. And then the the West has all these six and three teams, and I get why like the teams from the East, the winner gets to host the playoff game and all that. But if ever there was a year to make an exception, this would yep. be it. Yeah, I mean it's 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 it's, it's personally offensive to me that a team as good as the New York Football Giants are and will be for the future <laughs> that they're going to host a playoff game uh, potentially, and you have Dolphins, R- Dolphins, Ravens. Um, you know all the teams in the NFC West, and uh, the the oh the oh, I can't remember the other six and three team, but there's like four six and three teams or five six and three teams, and one of them uh, is not going to host a playoff game, maybe yeah, at all. Yeah, it's 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 unbelievable, but it will be interesting to see because all these teams are six and three now. Like a couple of them are going to be proven to be kind of fraudulent <laughs> coming up here pretty soon. Um, the next game we have here, we had the Cincinnati Bengals ten. At the Pittsburgh Steelers, thirty-six. Uh, <laughs> Nothing to know. Yeah. this game whatsoever. No. Outside of the Bengals were outmatched. The yeah, were yeah. The only there's only a couple <laughs> you know? interesting stat lines uh, here. So the first is uh, Ben Roethlisberger, twenty-seven to forty-six, three hundred thirty-three yards, four touchdowns, no picks. I mean that that'll do it. Yeah, and then. And then the yeah, second thing yeah, here well, we have, uh, so this is a question for you, Cleve. AJ Green played on eight or three percent of the snaps. How many catches and yards did he have? Uh, for how four. many yards? Oh shit! I think yes. So I'm just. Oh, how many? Yes. Oh shit! Uh, you're wrong on both counts. He had zero catches for zero yards. <laughs> yeah, on five targets. Eighty-three percent of the snaps. So. Big Ben is not done yet, but I think AJ Green is probably dust. Like, did the did the football have teeth? Was was he were, were they drops or the balls was getting there? I think he's not open, so so so, oh, so it's difficult oh, okay. for him to yeah, catch so it. He's, he's he's clearly lost his step. Yeah, yeah. I think that AJ Green is probably dusted, or he's just not trying. But he's out there in eighty three percent of the snaps, so he's got to be trying in practice at least. Uh, to get that playing time. But those are my only notes on this game. I mean, Pittsburgh just absolutely trucked them. Pittsburgh right now is in the position that um, New England was when when they had Brady, that the Saints are trying to be in, and where I think the, the Packers eventually need to get to, where your aging quarterback needs to be made younger by having great skill position players around them. And I think the Steelers are benefiting from that and playing to – been strengths rather than his weaknesses and I think they're make that's why they're nine and oh I mean you got guys like Claypool Schuster you, you know Deontay Johnson had a, over 100 yards and a touchdown I mean those that, that makes Ben younger if you think about it and I think that's what they need to do and they're doing it personnel wise and I think that's why they're successful yep, I completely agree uh the next game we have here is another one that there isn't really much to talk about besides one major thing and that's the 49ers 13 at the Saints 27 uh, the 49ers are just hurt, outmatched. You know, they're they're playing out the string for sure. Uh, so this, this is a decent win for the Saints. But the main thing is that Drew Brees got hurt. He's out for two to three weeks. So we got Jameis Winston time. 
Yeah, his his injuries are actually. I mean, I don't know uh, if it sounds worse than it is, but he has multiple. Yeah, on both sides. Uh, and and I I believe, and I'm, I might be speaking out of school here. Is his lungs was one of his lungs po- partially punctured? Yes. I don't even know yes. what. The, wow, it was. Jesus Christ, that that is insane. Yeah, and I've had a bruised rib, and it hurt like nothing else. So I can only imagine what two broken ribs and a punctured lung would be like. And thinking about coming back in two to three weeks, oh, all the yeah. torque, all the torque that you have throwing a football, mm. I, I'm not sure if that's realistic. No, no. So to today's point, interception time, baby. <laughs> I got to tell you, I as as a football player, I love Jameis Winston. As a human being, I think he's a total scumbag. Uh, but as a football player, I love Jameis Winston. I mean, he, he's like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, he just does not care. He's going to throw that ball down the field as hard as he can. And it's it's so exciting to watch. Um, he, he doesn't have the same skill talent that he had in Tampa Bay at the receiver position. He obviously has Mike Thomas. But he doesn't have like any sort of downfield, go get it, no Mike Evans type. But, but – I think the team is just better all the way around. And I actually think he's going to be kind of successful. But, Cleve, I, I think you do make a point that there are some games where he's just going to throw four interceptions out of nowhere. Yeah, it, it's just I don't like knowing, you know, his his college pedigree and, and all of that. And um, I think you're alluding to the crab, the crab legs thing, which, yep. which honestly, to note, I think when you're like the star of something in a certain area, like things are kind of like, okay, we always do this, but on this particular day, I come in and get crab legs, and it's a big thing today. Whatever. But getting back to his his play, I think he plays like backyard football. Like he just says, okay, if a guy can possibly get open, I can squeeze it in here. But some of the some of the throws, I'm like, what the f-? like? What did he see that we didn't see? So yeah, I think that um, he just he's gonna handicap this team. I don't think he's gonna be successful, personally. And time will tell if, if you're right, Dave. So, oh, Cleve, I think what Dave is referring to is he had some sexual assault allegations against them. I think no, that's no, I, I, I was being a jerk off with the crowd. <laughs> I'm just saying I, I want to make sure it's out yeah, there because yeah, I, yeah. I remembered it and I was like, yeah, yeah. And I get where Dave's coming from. Yeah, yeah he had he had that, <laughs> something with an Uber. He jumped up on a table the at the dorm room dining thing. It was yeah. screaming obscenities <laughs> after the police covered the sexual assault thing, allegedly. Um. So, <laughs> yeah, and then he gets to the league, and he's he, at, at best he's just a weird dude, but like the wrong kind of weird. Um, yeah. so I don't really like. I said I don't really like him that much as a as a person, but as a football player, he is. I mean, to me, I think he plays the position the right way. Like he would throw it to DK Metcalf. He does not care what the coach says. He he would he would be throwing mm-hmm. it exactly where he thinks it needs to go. Um. So yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Saints over the next uh the next couple of weeks with Jameis in there. Uh the next game we got mm-hmm. uh from Matt here. This was the Sunday night game of the driving rainstorm. Ravens 17 at the Patriots mm-hmm. 23. Yes. So I think this game tells you more about the Ravens than it does about the Patriots. Although I think the Patriots have they're not gonna make the playoffs, but clearly they have at least figured some things out. Cam seems to have um, at least gotten a little bit of confidence. They, 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 the stats don't pop out to you, but the win does. Uh, but again, I think this is more Ravens related than it is anything else. What do you guys think? I, I think you're right. I, I think 
we've been saying this all season or at least half you know half the way that we don't know what the Ravens are or what they're trying to do or what the identity is of this team but I'm um I just think that they're trying too hard I think uh Bill Belichick uh coached a good game uh in a game that they should have lost so So I I cannot understate how fierce the rain was in this game. Uh, Just drive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it hit us here in Northern Virginia, too. Like it it came through this entire part of the country. And Lamar Jackson threw the ball 34 times and carried the ball 11 times. Cam Newton threw it 17 times and carried it 11 times. And that's the difference in the game. Like, why is Lamar throwing the ball 34 times in a monsoon? This is, this is what I'm saying. We don't, like, the, the MVP run is different from what what else is, like, they should have just kept the same formula as for the MVP run. We don't know why the, why this, is he trying to prove that he can throw? Like, we, we get it. You can throw, bro. Well, I mean, like, what he, are you doing? he can't, he, he can only throw the ball on called pass plays, though. It's not that he can call a run. He can just wheel back and throw it. He'll have linemen downfield or whatever. So there had to be 34 called pass plays in in this game, in this rainstorm. Well, that's what, I, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, like they're – like, so last year or whatever it was, you know, they were – the pundits were like, oh, these, you know, he can't throw, whatever. He's just like a run-first guy whatever. But to your point, to your very, very good point, it's right. pouring rain. <laughs> If anyone's played football like on any level, they're fun games to play when you're running and playing in the rain. But you're not, <laughs> you're not going to be slinging that rock all around the field like that. It's just, it was just stupid to 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 yeah. keep doing that. But but along those lines, the best pass of the night was Jacoby Myers to Rex Burkhead for 24 yards and a touchdown in the driving rain. So even though they shouldn't have thrown the ball 34 times, somehow a uh, non-quarterback made a great throw to a guy who sounds like he's something you get out of the tool shed because you need it for a house project. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and I, and I say I say on here all the time that, you know, because it, it's mathematically true that passing is more efficient than running in football now, especially in the NFL. The team should be passing more than they run, and that's true. However, a driving rainstorm can really change that, especially when you're so good at running the ball in the first mm-hmm. place. And so while Jacoby Myers, who I'm not shocked is good, I remember him at NC State. He was a fantastic wide receiver. Yeah. Um, so he had a pass. Camp had 17. So the Patriots threw 18 passes to the Ravens 34. If the Ravens threw 25 passes and Lamar carried it 20 times, they probably win. Yeah, as a Pats fan, I just I liked the win because obviously I I'm not really a Ravens fan, uh but at the same time, it was just good to see them looking better. You know, like those that that four game losing streak, they looked like they couldn't even find anything. They looked better in the Bills game, still came out and lost. I mean, they are what they are. They're four and five. It's not like this is a a life-changing experience, but they do seem to be looking better. And at least uh, Cam has found some relationships with, you know, the people on the team. And they're they're still limited by their skill, but hey, they they, they, they beat a playoff team, even in a driving rain, and I'll take that any day. And again, two things about about this game for me, um, and I I can't believe I'm, I'm sticking up for the Patriots here. It's crazy. Um, you know, there was it's a new quarterback, new system for him. Uh, people opted out. 
you guys are making the kind of the best you can with the season, mm-hmm. you know, how it is. I mean, everyone everyone kind of had to deal with some aspect of COVID uh, for the most part. So um, it was good to see you guys, you know, rally and, and get that. The other thing about this game is I was texting with Dave and, and, and Matt and Dave said he thought a home run was hitting the game. And I'm like, holy shit, that that play when that guy's legs. Oh, yeah. Nick Boyle. Yeah. 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 I was like, holy, because I'm, I'm watching, I'm, I'm opening a sandwich and I'm, I hear the rapper like, you know, pop and I'm like, oh shit. But then I'm, I look up and I see the play and then Dave texts me like right on cue. Like, yeah, I thought I heard a home run. Yeah, yeah that's actually pretty game. important too, because Nick Boyle is one of the best blocking tight ends in the league, but he's serviceable enough as a pass mm-hmm. catcher. Like every so often he just pops up wide open uh, on like a critical third down or in the red zone or something. He's actually a very important player. He's one of those guys who's like way more important to the Ravens than he would ever be in like fantasy football. That's actually that's actually gotcha. a really not good injury for for them to have to sustain, especially because I think both yeah. offensive tackles are out right now too. Yeah, yeah, good point. He, he reminds me of like Cameron Brait for the Bucks, who only seems to catch touchdown passes on like third and goal. Uh, or something like that. It seems like that's the only time I ever hear his name called. So Boyle's kind of like that too, where it's like, how did he get open? What? Who? He's never. He's never. He's never expected to be open. <laughs> yeah, and he's probably like, holy shit, I'm open. And the uh, the next game we have here, the last game we have is the Monday Night Barn Burner, the Minnesota Vikings nineteen, the Chicago Bears thirteen. First yeah, of all, go for it. I'm taking this one. All right couple of things the orange jerseys for the bears are offensive they need to go away forever i hate them uh their home their home jerseys are, are they they should only wear those the white pants the navy but let's move on uh nick Foles is also offensive i know he got hurt you know hopefully he, he gets w- well uh but the bears to quote denny green they are what we thought they were and they're not good and <laughs> the funny part to me was Foles looked like crap which we expected and they bring in not Mitch Trubisky. And I'm like, oh, Mitchie apparently is just like, I don't even know why he goes to the games anymore. They should just let him stay home. Because if if Foles gets hurt and they're going to put somebody else in, I'm just surprised it's not Trubisky at this point, given the fact that they are what? So one in four with Foles? Mitch Trubisky's out. He's got a shoulder injury. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, shoulder, yeah, yeah. He's, I he's thought there. he was fine. But either way, like, it, just the Bears are in shambles. I don't know if it's necessarily Matt Nagy's fault. But certainly, teams need to take a look at this season and realize, stop giving Nick Foles money because he's not going to be what he was in the Super Bowl. It, is, Super Nike, Bowl it is Nike's fault. Okay, they're, first, they're first in offense. Sorry to cut you, Matt. They're I'm first good. in offense. I'm sorry. They're first in defense, and they're 25th in offense. <laughs> so, yeah, it is It is Nike's fault. The switch had to be made when it had to be made, but did we did – we, the three of us think that Foles was going to really fucking save this team. And he's hurt on cue. He's hurt, as I as I told you guys weeks ago. We're just waiting for like that. So here's drive. how so I know that you guys are. just do not watch enough college football. The So <laughs> Foles is out. Trubisky is out. Matt, you say you want Foles to come back. I mean, I, of course, want him to recover, recover as not a Foles. person. But oh. not like – but take a couple weeks yeah. because we are about to get – the full Tyler Bray experience in the NFL and all the college football people listening know what I'm talking about. Tyler Bray went to Tennessee and he is very similar to Jameis in the just, I'm throwing this ball where I want to throw it. And that's that. 
and it's usually way down the field and half the time it's to the other team but he's tall and strapping with the big arm like this this is about to be so entertaining watching him just completely destroy this team on the field i cannot believe he's in the nfl but he is he is it's <laughs> it's like nathan pierman on purpose like he's just like you know oh, what shit. yeah this is yeah. it like he thinks he's the man it's 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 just going to be amazing uh so i cannot wait to see tyler bray get an nfl start i hope trubisky and uh Foles are both out at least one week so we can so we can right. see this the other thing i wanted to note on this game is uh it's becoming clear now as we get you know a little more than halfway through the season which rookie wide receivers their games from college have completely translated to the nfl and justin jefferson for the vikings is one of them he looks mm-hmm. just like he did at lsu the way he moves around the field how open he is how he runs away from guys how he's able to catch the ball like it's not any different and he's playing with the worst quarterback because he went from joe burrow to kirk cousins and he's still ah. doing it so like I, and I actually was questioning if Justin Jefferson would be one of the ones that would be able to do it, but he has, and, he, and this dude is legit. Um, he had eight catches for 135 yards in this game, and the only Vikings rookie wide receiver that's done better is Randy Moss, and that's an unfair comparison to anybody. Yeah, like Justin Jefferson yeah. is yeah. is is a dude for sure. Uh, and just quickly, the other receiver that has translated is Jerry Judy for Denver. He, of course, has no quarterback play at all. He went from two to Drew Locke. Uh, but but you can see mm-hmm. by the way he moves, Judy and Justin Jefferson, they've they've done it. They're they're set. They're going to be good. Cleve might say that was an improvement going from uh, two to Drew Locke. I don't know. Yeah, uh, no, one uh, game sample. No, that's right, one <laughs> game sample. Uh, but the other thing about this game to note um, – 104-yard kickoff yep. return, Cordero Patterson. I mean, you know, we talked about the the greatest, you know, return men, you know, a little earlier, but and that was their whole offense. But yeah, he has some love in carries. Yeah. yeah, that's right, he did. Uh, well. Yeah, great, uh, great. <laughs> I actually think Matt Nagy is a fine coach, and he's been saddled with just a terrible front office, and he's going to be like the offensive coordinator at somewhere, and they'll they'll be great. He'll get another shot in a couple of years. Um, but this, but it's not working out for him in Chicago. Like that whole thing seems to just be blown into the sun. By the way, before we move on to next week, I find the bye week participants hysterical. Falcons couldn't blow a lead. Cowboys didn't have to lose. Jets couldn't lose again, and the Chiefs would have yes. beaten all three at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yep, ab- absolutely. Um, okay, so let's take a look at uh, the games coming up next week here. Pull up the right thing here. That's the standings. So the first thing that I notice is that our primetime games are actually pretty good, starting with Thursday. The Thursday game is the rematch Cardinals at Seahawks. So it'll be, yeah, yeah it'll be interesting to see if this time, like, they do allow Russ Wilson to throw it to DK Metcalf. Because when they played before, we all talked about Metcalf after the game because he ran down Buda Baker. But it was Lockett that went insane yep. catching the ball in that game. Uh, the Jaguars host the Steelers, so good luck. Uh, the yeah. Lions play the Panthers, so the Panthers won't have Christian McCaffrey and might not have Teddy Bridgewater. The Patriots are going to get the 500. They go to Houston. 
Oh, here what we go. This, is actually, this guy should be the most important game of the week here. The Titans are at the Ravens, so they're both 6-3, and three, and falling to 6-4 and four is a disaster for either of these teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that both of these teams almost feel like they're in the same position for different reasons, right? Like, the Titans we felt really secure about three weeks ago, and now all of a sudden it's like, well, if they lose this game and they go to 6-4, and four, who are they? And the Ravens, we've been asking, who are they for weeks? And you got to think, like, this is almost, it almost feels like an eliminator, even though it's not. But it, it's almost one of those games where it's like, is the losing team kind of on a downward trend to the point that they're not going to make the playoffs? It kind of well, feels yeah, like it. Well, yeah. I mean, the Ravens, especially because they're three games back in their division because <laughs> uh, the Steelers are undefeated. And they get mm-hmm. they get the one more game against Pittsburgh, which I'm still sticking with the Ravens are going to win that game. But... Yeah, if they fall to six and four, the Steelers are playing Jacksonville, so they're going to ten and zero. Yeah. So that's that. Now the Ravens are for sure stuck in the wild card or whatever. The Titans can lose this game and still, you know, win the division they or can. whatever. Especially because the Colts are hosting the Packers, so it's possible the Colts could could lose yep. as well. But yeah, that yeah. Titans Ravens game that yeah, I think you're right, Matt. That feels like a playoff game. It does, but it just feels like each team is playing for their identity. You know what I mean? Like they're playing to get some type of uh, that moxie back because like I said, we felt really good about the Titans and felt like they were solid. And now we're questioning them a little bit, even though they, they still have a clear path forward if they lose, but it just feels like a, uh, like almost like an emotional eliminator playoff, like emotional playoff game for both of these teams. Cause I feel like if the Ravens lose, then there's so much more pressure on them now because it's like, the, the, we've been the questions are already starting, but now it's like, well, what is really their problem? Like, what are is they their... actually any good? And I think that that pressure is just going to keep mounting and mounting. And the expectations were already high on Lamar coming off an MVP season, and they came in super, uh, you know, they're a super cocky team. And now, how do they react to that? Because super cocky teams don't generally go through adversity very well. Yeah, what is the what is there off the off the top of your head? I don't know if you have to, in front of you. What are there are against the run, the Ravens? Because uh, to today's point, um, you know when they feed Derrick Henry the Titans, they feed Derrick Henry uh, twenty five or more touches. Uh, it could get problematic. Uh, uh, yes, but not as well as you would not as well as like they classically yeah. can, right? Like when you think of the Ravens, you think of that like that tough defense or whatever their secondary is actually better than their than their front seven it's like derrick henry should be able to to do things i mean this game this is the two of the three uh top running teams in the league this game might be over two and a half hours yeah yeah and two the other thing is this is a matchup from last year's playoffs and you and you saw the blueprint about how to beat the ravens last year from the titans but now we know that. So how are the Titans going to uh, advance their game their game plan to not go into that same thing? Because you'd like to think that the Ravens are ready for it. And so I'll, I'll be interested to see the adjustments in this game. And this is the only game that I would flex out of here. But looking at the other primetime games, there's right. really not a place to put it. Yeah, so absolutely. One on Sunday, uh, the next game uh, that we have here, we have the Eagles at the Browns. And I... I will look at the money line on this game. I don't know if it's out yet, but my first thought was that the Eagles are a good bet here. Mm. It's three and a half right now. Cleveland's given three and a half. Um, yeah, 
this is an interesting one because the Eagles feel like a team that could beat the Browns and get them off their game plan, but it also feels like a game where the Browns could run the Eagles into the ground and win, you know, twenty to seventeen. Okay, yeah. So my my initial thought was it was is at least somewhat correct. The Eagles opened at plus one fifty five on the money line, and they're down to plus one fifty. That means that if you bet a hundred dollars on the Eagles and they win, you get a hundred and fifty dollars, right? Um, or you win 150, so you get 250. Yep. Um, but they open at plus 155, so the it's moving towards the Eagles. And yeah, when I just first saw this game, I'm like, this is the exact like this is the exact game the Browns are going to have that proves Cleaver right about them. Um, uh, mm-hmm. the next game this is gonna, this is going to be fun. Uh, we get Jameis against the Falcons. He's going to throw for 450 <laughs> yards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the over-under on this game is 51. Yeah, he's going to throw for 450 yards, four touchdowns, and three interceptions. And he, and he won't even play, like, the last eighth of the game. Like, he'll be benched with seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter because they're killing him. Uh, the Bengals play the football team in a game nobody needs to have happen. Oh, uh, of the week. Uh, well, of the week. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Those teams at least have some functional coaching the pillow fight of the week might be the jets at the chargers oh that that mm, yeah yeah hold up i got this right here i'm 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 gonna go live and say this is exactly what's gonna happen the jets are gonna get their first win of the season when joe flacco throws a goal line fade to win the game that's what's gonna happen and adam is gonna be fired on the spot yeah and he's still gonna get fired (laughs) That's how it's going to happen. You heard it here first. Jets go to one and nine on a last second goal so, line. So the Jets are plus three twenty five on the money line, meaning that the Jets are that the Eagles are twice as likely to beat Cleveland as they think the Jets are to beat to beat the Chargers. So that's where the Jets are right now. Um, I would not be shocked if the Jets won this game. I, I, should, I wouldn't be shocked if the Chargers found a way to lose this game. Just so here's a. Here's a question for you. Realistically, in all seriousness, even after my last thing, but if, let's say the Chargers win this game by, like, three, and they don't look particularly good doing it, how hot is Anthony Lynn's seat? If the Chargers have not already decided they are going to fire him at the end of this season, I I don't know what to tell you. Like, it's so obvious that he is what's holding them back um, that they just got to, they, like... His, it, should, it should already be done. Like, it should be a done deal in the minds of the owners. But, you know, everybody likes them, and so they'll let them, you know, like, why not let them play out the string? They're two and seven or whatever. They're done. So, um, I don't I don't think his seat should be able to get any hotter because I think that decision should already be made. But struggling against the Jets can't, can't help them any. No, I'd also like to point out that on ESPN, they have players to watch, and the rushing player to watch is Frank Gore, somehow still. Man. Wow. Man. That's right. Uh, so Compiler. then we have the Dolphins at the Broncos, so two about to be 4-0 as a starter. Although they're playing in Denver, so I, you know sometimes the the altitude could make a difference. Yeah, I mean I the Broncos can win that game, but like if the Dolphins win, nobody's going to be shocked. They're probably favored, so... 4-0 Tua, Cleve. Oh. Uh, the Cowboys <laughs> uh, back in action at Minnesota. Delvin Cook going to go for 200 again. 
Yeah, Dalvin Cook should have a good game. I think Andy Dalton's going to be back, but I actually feel like that doesn't make a difference. Vikings are at home. They have a better team right now. I think that they should win, but sometimes you never know with the Vikings. Like, they started off so poorly, and hey, maybe Dalton comes back and feels good and has a good game. But If I, Andy Dalton I is back win. and he doesn't have the COVID brain that Cam seemed to have there for a while, the Vikings secondary is torchable by anybody but the Bears, and this this game could actually mm-hmm. be crazy. Like, this could actually be like a 44-38. Just nuts. So Amari Cooper gets 200. Delvin gets 200. Neither are the player of the game. Like, you know, it could be one, one of those. Uh, we have the aforementioned Packers at Colts. Huge game for both these division leaders. More so for the Colts because the Packers are just going to win their division. Um the Sunday night game, Cleve, we get that rematch of the Chiefs and the Raiders. Remember, the Raiders won earlier this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one is really interesting because we know who the Chiefs are. We know who the Chiefs are going to be. Like, there's no doubt about that. Unless they have catastrophic injuries across the board, we know who they are. Despite the fact that the Raiders beat them before. This game is about who are the Raiders, right? Like, if they sweep the Chiefs... Okay, maybe they're working with something here. But this feels like a game where the Chiefs are going to come in. They lost last time. They know what they're supposed to do. And they're going to do what they have to do to win this game. And remind the Raiders. The we Chiefs are, are going to team. absolutely put yeah. it on the Raiders in this game. They're, they're going they are going to trounce them. Mm-hmm. And then John Gruden's going to. Yes, they're only going to be able to run the ball 17 times <laughs> because, because they're going to be behind by so much. Derek right. Carr's going to have 50 pass attempts. Um, yeah, I just think very similar to what you said, Matt. I just think the Chiefs are much better. They know it. They're mad they lost before. They're going to have seen the Ravens lose. Ravens or Titans lose. Maybe they see the Colts lose. You know, the Bills are off. And just they're going to be like, you know what? This is it. We're, we're taking control of this entire conference. And they're going to destroy the Raiders. And then Monday night, we have the Rams yeah. at the Bucks. So, giving my Rams are only good at home theory, I like the Bucks. Yeah. Um, the only thing I could foresee is um, historically, I mean, this is you know, for every quarterback, but we know that Brady does not do well under pressure. He hasn't. I mean, look at that first giant Super Bowl as an indicator. Uh, and the Rams can get pressure. So, I, I think it will be interesting if they can play better than they have on the road and can get to Brady a lot and sort of make him uncomfortable, which you'd like to think that they would. Um, that could be interesting, but I, I also see the Bucks winning only because I think, you know, they're at home, they have a little bit more talent, and, you know, they seem they seem to have right right to the ship. Yeah, completely, uh, yeah. completely agree with that. And on a bye this week, just to uh, close the loop here, Bills off, Bears, thank God. 49ers, they need the break. And unfortunately, the Giants win by having a bye because they're Well, yeah, the but that's, that's actually true because yeah. we got – if the Browns can beat the Eagles, the Vikings can beat the Cowboys, and the football team I think is irrelevant. So the Giants could actually uh, win this week simply by not playing. I think, I think you know, just like, just like it should be, things are good for the Giants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Looking looking ahead into the future, um, obviously we're gonna do this show next week. Uh, but Thanksgiving, any um, 
because those teams are going to have a short week that are playing oh. Sunday. So any anything that we should be so my uh, uh, so Day? don't forget I'm a Lions fan, so my squad always plays on Thanksgiving. Um, and Absolutely. so uh, the three games you have the Lions, Texans, Cowboys football team, and Ravens Steelers, and I think that you might see the Lions might just completely blow up the Texans. Maybe they should, given the, how everything matches up. But they're the Lions, so you can never count on it. But they should just work them. Then you have Washington and the Cowboys. That should be like a struggle bus like unwatchable struggle bus sort of game. And then you have the Ravens Steelers to close it out where my yeah, entire reputation is on the line. Cause I said the Ravens are going to win that game, but I'm standing by it. Yeah. It's, it's uh, I mean with the, with the, the bookend games are, you know, they're watchable, but Thanksgiving COVID stuck at home. They could have got a better. Well, they need, that. yeah, they need to have the lions Seriously. and the Cowboys though. They can't well, move them. And so I think they did the best they could with Ravens Steelers. Yeah, yeah, and also Cleve, um, to to talk about that, like I saw an article this week about whether the Lions should still play in Thanksgiving, and I personally like these instances where we stick to a tradition that has happened over the course of time. Like, there's something about it. Like over the over the 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 landscape of the country, we seem to be losing these types of things as we go. And there's at least for me personally, there is comfort in knowing. Okay, the Lions play on Thanksgiving. Like, I know that that's true. It's just like the person who wins the Masters gets the green jacket, like, and the former winner puts it on him. Like, to me, there, I like the fact that there are traditions because it makes it feel like something that's longstanding and that's a part of the fabric of our country in a way. Mm-hmm. And so, while the teams aren't very good and the games aren't very good, it's like you expect to see that it's Thanksgiving, right? And then, the, yeah, they've added a third game and they are able to at least get a good scheduled game there. And whether the Lions or Cowboys are, are good each year, I like seeing them on Thanksgiving. And, you know, Cowboys-Washington is a heated rivalry whether the teams are good or not. So you get something out of it. And, I, and that was the game I was it. talking about. It's I don't yeah. mind seeing uh, Detroit in, uh, in, in Houston. I, no, I know. You know, it's the, it's the Cowboys-Washington. I don't think we expected the Cowboys to look this bad. So yeah. when they make the schedules, they're trying their best to figure things out. But, I mean, it's technically a rivalry that has been a round, and it's a notable one. The teams just happen to both be really bad yeah. and irrelevant yeah. uh, this year. So they're doing their best. But I like seeing Lions-Cowboys, and whether the game ends up being good or not, not much you can do about it. I just know that this year, this is what I'm sticking to because we're doing like a light family thing and I want to move away from fa- family conversations as much as possible and get over to the TV. I hear you, man. The um, uh, Matt and I were talking offline yesterday and uh, want to kind of bring this up to close out the show with. Uh, so ESPN still struggling for content in this uh, COVID uh, scenario of a, of a life that we're living now. So they're letting go. I believe the number was... Uh, was it 600 people, Matt? I can't remember. It was, I think it was 300, 300 this time. People, Th- yeah. This particular round, I think they had done a round earlier, and I think totally it comes out to like five, 600 people, yeah. Yeah, so these people are obviously going to lose their jobs because there's, you know, there's not enough content, things of that nature. But the Lebertard show had a, uh, a warm landing spot, and if you could share that with our, our, our listeners, that would be great. Yeah. And just for the listeners, uh, I'm a, a personal fan of Dan uh, himself, mainly because, you know, I, I like how he brings a lot of the what is what most people consider politics like race kind of the forefront as how we 
digest our sports, if you will. So I've been listening to them for a while, and I just personally like him, at least, you know, the man that he is today. Um, and they, they lost one of their on-screen contributors. Uh, and Dan didn't find out about it until basically the day that, that those actions were taken. So, you know, somebody that they, they have a very close-knit group there, and when they found it out, they also weren't going to be on air for another, like, four or five days. So there wasn't really anything they could do about it. But long story short... Uh, Dan brought this person back, uh, is paying his salary out of his own pocket, and also gave him a raise because it's important enough, one, that they were treated so terribly by the company that they work for, and also it was important to have the people on the show because that's what makes the show the show. And I thought the the act, you know, from somebody who clearly makes enough um, for, the, for themselves to uh, stand by somebody that works for them that way, and you know, do you know, do what's right by them because they have they have he has you know the uh, family, and you know a young a young daughter, and you know these are people's lives. And when we make business decisions, sometimes we see people like as line items, um, but they're real people who have real you know families and situations. And uh, I think these corporations forget that. So it was nice to see out of a big corporation an individual taking on a kind act and and really helping uh, you know a close you know, a close uh, friend of theirs out. Yeah, it's great. But so. that was, yeah, they, that could was just, awesome, they could man. just cut Stephen really, A. Smith really awesome. and save you know, $5 million a year and keep everybody else. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I have to say this, though. Like, we, we, we talk about, this isn't even politics, but in in today's world where, every, you know, there's so many industries that are hit by COVID. And, and Dave, you've talked about hotels and the, the hospitality industry and all that. And then you have companies like ESPN, who I get it, right? They're looking at their bottom line. WWE is the same way. They have made more cuts this year of anybody that they ever have. And I would venture a guess that both WWE and ESPN are having still super high profit margins regardless of this. And it's like, I get that that's the end goal. But they're doing it in a way that makes you feel like they don't actually care about the people that work for them. Those people are just warm bodies that can fill you know, a need and they can bring in whoever they want and do business however they want. And I just thought ESPN, you know, they've they've kind of gone down a little bit in my eyes in general because I feel like they they, they went away from the people, you know, stick that they went more down the stick to sports route than I hoped they would because I know that they are a sports, you know, content thing. But again, the people that they're highlighting are also citizens of this country that go through these things. And yeah. so they've gone down for me in that regard, but especially when they're like, well, we just, you know, we're saving money from COVID and they don't really care. They're just like getting rid of these people. Some of them who've worked for them for 20 years yeah. and yeah. it's just, see you later, have a good time. Yeah. And you wish it was different, but I know in corporate America, it's just not. Yep. So you guys, any, any closing uh, remarks, Dave? No, just everybody, please stay home, stay, stay safe. Uh, pandemic's just raging out of control. And I know it sucks, but you got to just keep it to the household for Thanksgiving. Uh, uh, it, I mean, it's it's terrible. Uh, Megan and I, we are just staying in D.C. We're not going back to Michigan. It's going to be just just the two of us cooking turkey and screaming at the lions. Um, so, you know, but that's, that's <laughs> just, you know, and this is her favorite holiday to go back and see the family and, and all that. But you just, it, it's irresponsible. And like, you know, people need to stay home this holiday season so they can be here for next holiday season. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well said, brother. Well said. Matt? Um, just that, uh, you know, 
next week, uh, I, I was talking with a friend about how the history of Thanksgiving is is muddled, and you know, it's it's you have to watch, you know, who you use that that terminology with. But I think the overall idea of taking inventory of where you are and at least being humble for a day and saying, you know what, like there are things that are going wrong, but at least at the end of the day, I have certain things like my health and other things. And that's what I'm trying to focus on this year. So even with all of the bullshit that's swirling around us, you know, take inventory of the small things. And one of the small things is, is this hour and a half that we get every week with each other. It's the closest thing to friendship camaraderie that I get right now. And I'm thankful for it. So I, I just say, you know, think of some little things and uh, try to move forward toward Christmas with a little bit of uh, grace and humility. And uh, that's it. All right. So for me is a quick, hey, fucko, you lost. Concede, 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 fucko. It's over. January 20th can't come fast enough. Today's mm-hmm. point and to Matt's point, you know, hey, guys, I know it sucks. You know, we're still, you know, it's. November, almost December now. We're still in the same same vicious loop that we've been in. And we're watching our, our well, part of our government just kind of like shut down and pretty much tell us that we're irrelevant. You know, like they don't care what's happening out there. And because I lost, I don't give a shit either. So, you know what? January 20th can't come fast enough. Whether you can see it or not, who cares at this point? You look like dog shit. So it's over. It's over. I, I just, I'm just over it and ready to move on. And, and again, to Matt's point, this is probably one of the best highlights of my week other than waking up and kind of, you know, getting through the day. So, um, you know, you guys be uh, safe and well. See you later. We'll see you guys next Tuesday. Thank you. Musical credit for today's episode goes to First Com Music, an ESPN-owned entity, NFL Primetime.